Well, here we are, the first episode of The Lightning Show, brought to you by Red Franco. I am Frankie Grizzle Malgrat, a.k.a. Red Lightning, Big Red, Rojo Grande, whatever you want to call me. want to give a huge shout out to everybody who has supported me through this whole thing, who's encouraged me to do this. Uh, I think this is going to be really fun. I think we're going to have a good time talking about sports, life, music, whatever comes to my mind. Mostly sports, though, of course. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to get in some nice arguments here in the future. Going to have people uh, asking questions that I'm going to answer, give my opinion on. I think this is going to be really fun. First and foremost, I want to give a huge shout out to the QS High School uh, athletes who are headed to the next level to pursue uh, their education and to play ball at the next level. Uh, ladies first with Lauren Klintnick headed to Stetson to play softball. Antonio Knowles headed to Stetson to play baseball. Danny Galvin headed to Florida Southwestern State College to play some baseball. Andrew Karch and Mikey Mayor headed to Pasco Hernandez State College. Fernando, excuse me. Fidel Diaz headed to Kaiser University to wrestle. Congrats to them and good luck at the next level. So to elaborate a little bit more on uh, Key West and its rich, his- rich history in sports, um, my mom sent me a uh, the Citizen, the sports page, the other day, and it's it's the story about Rex Weech and how he got here, what he's done throughout his life, how long he worked um, the grounds crew at Key West High School before he passed away in '93. Uh, Had no idea, never met the man. Just knew playing under the lights at Rex Weech every Friday and Saturday night was was something special with the history that we have as a baseball program and the state championships that we've won, 11 of them as a matter of fact. But, uh, you know, stepping on that field was, was really special to play after the people who've played there before, major leaguers, guys who have done plenty, plenty things uh, for the community. But now, you know, after reading this, this story here um he's related to the Niles family which I never knew before either um but after reading this story it gives me a new perspective on how special it was and you know just getting a little emotional talking about it now you know you know we we as kids we we grow up and and we watch the older guys play on that field and we become those guys there in the future and the little kids are still watching today uh, you know, but like I said, after reading this story, it gives me a whole new respect for why the field is named after him, uh, for everything that he did for that field, everything, you know, the blood, sweat, probably the tears as well that he put into, you know, the Key West High School field, and which was eventually named after him in 1994. Um, but, you know, it's a great story. It's great to know the history. And like I said before, it's just a new level of respect and honor that it was to be out there under those lights on every, you know, Friday, Saturday night. And we're back. And, you know, to further um, talking about the field, we head to the outfield where the football team plays under the lights of Tommy Roberts Memorial Stadium. And Key West kicked off their season just this past uh, Thursday night, a uh, little preseason kickoff classic doesn't count. Stats don't mean anything. Records don't mean anything. But we faced off against Cardinal Gibbons, 
Cardinal Gibbons is in the classification above us. Um, and they handled us pretty good. Uh, beat us 41-7, to but you know, that's all right. You know, like I said, game doesn't count, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, just to get the blood flowing again, get the juice flowing again, uh, get guys back into the game and being able to hit somebody else instead of your own color every day at practice for four weeks. But, you know, Cardinal Gibbons was or is ranked third in the state behind number one IMG and number two American Heritage from Plantation. Um, a lot of guys headed to the next level. Division one, as a matter of fact, their quarterback committed to Kentucky, running back committed to Pitt. Um, this team is stacked and ready from last year, loaded from last year, uh, where they reached the regional final and actually lost 58-57 to in overtime to American Heritage, who ended up winning the state championship handily. Uh, you know, in this preseason classic, they even switched up the rules a little bit. Starters didn't play the whole game. You know, I think the clock was running in the second half, changed the kickoffs and stuff like that. But, you know, like I said, it was just to get the juice flowing again. Uh, now, you know, this coming week, this Friday night, uh, the 24th, uh, now it's where it counts. Uh, playing arch rival and conference rival, Gulliver Prep, uh, beat them the last two seasons. Uh, in 2017, beat them up there in Miami 24-20. to and in 2016, down in Key West, 14 to seven. Um, you know, Gulliver won their preseason game over Melbourne Central Catholic, 44 to 38 in overtime. But you know, all that doesn't mean nothing. Just to get the juice flowing. But now this means something. The records mean something. Uh, the stats mean something. And you know, not only is this now it's time to win, but this one's for bragging rights. This is a rivalry. It always has been. It always will be, in every single sport. Uh, but now, you know, you got to set the tone, let the rest of the conference know. And that actual, that conference that they're in is the Southeastern Football Conference. And it's within Class 4A. They're in regions now instead of districts. And they have a conference where they play. And uh, the better, you know, the more, obviously, the more wins, the better. And the margin of victory, the, big, the larger the margin, the better. Uh, but, you know, now... You know, this is, like I said, this is where you set the tone. This is for seeding in the Southwest Football Conference and even in the FHSA playoffs. Uh, so, you know, this is for bragging rights. And, you know, Key West comes off uh, playoff berth last year for the first time since 2004. Uh, we got handled by Monsignor Pace up in Miami, 31-7. Uh, to But that's all right because we got the first, our first taste of the playoffs in uh, 13 years and the last time we were there won another first round loss uh, but it was 14 to 13 to Glade Central and if you know anything about high school football in the state of Florida that Glade Central Pahokee area that, that's that's good football uh, you know but you know we're ready to go I feel like we're ready to go people are gonna I think hang their hat on that preseason loss uh, which they shouldn't. I don't think they should. I don't think they should hold that against the kids. Um, but now it's go time. And I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready for them to do well. And go Conks. So there's an NFL game coming up this week that it's still preseason. 
I don't like to elaborate on preseason. I think people tend to look at preseason too closely. Uh, half of these guys are going to be cut from their teams anyway. A lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts. Guys are going to be going to different teams, you know, what have you. But one game I want to talk about because it features a couple of guys that, you know, I think people need to look out for. And, you know, it's Philadelphia and Cleveland. And the guys I'm talking about are Nick Foles and Baker Mayfield. But, you know, Eagles fans and Eagles media have been freaking out, man, uh, over Carson Wentz's injury and if he's going to be able to play opening night against the Falcons. Um, But a lot of people, I think, tend to forget what Nick Foles did for this team, what he did for the city of Philadelphia, what he did for Eagle and Philly Nation. Uh, I mean, got him to the promised land, got him what they wanted, where they've only been able to be the maid of honor and never the bride. Uh, he won him a Super Bowl. Um, going up against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick uh, in their minds that they put together. and I mean, they have five Super Bowls. And here Nick Foles, backup quarterback, coming in week 15 for Hurt Carson Wentz. Um, you know, played those last couple of games a year they were already in, so they only really needed to worry about those playoff games. And what Nick Foles did... Uh, Threw for 971 yards in the three playoff games. And, of course, that includes the Super Bowl. In each of those three games, played top 20 defenses. And in the Super Bowl, he threw for three touchdowns, one interception, 373 yards, and also caught a touchdown pass, which resulted in, as we all know, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, This guy did wonders for this team and took over when nobody was really ready for him to take over. And if you read up on him or heard any stories about Nick Foles, he was ready to quit football. He was ready to be done. And, you know, he came, gave it another chance. The Eagles gave him a chance. And look what happened. Won him a Super Bowl. Uh, So I think guys, you know, media, the fans, they just need to to back Nick Foles. Um, He's done a lot for this organization. And I can only imagine he will do more. And on the other side of the ball with Baker Mayfield, According to my a buddy of mine, Colin Cowherd, he's undraftable. However, the Browns, obviously needing something, took him number one overall. Heisman Trophy winner. You know, they need they need something. And I think Baker's a guy who has proved himself, still needs to prove himself. Uh, everywhere he was at in college was a walk-on, was on scout team at Oklahoma. And here we see now, first overall draft pick, Heisman Trophy you know, the man had to pay for school. Wasn't even given a scholarship. So, but I still like he he needs to prove himself. It, you know, this preseason doesn't do any justice for anybody. You know, not even first-round picks. Not veteran guys. Nothing. You know, I think he needs his, his first NFL hit. I think he needs to be hit a couple times. Get jarred around a little bit. Uh, but he's he's got what it takes. I think he has everything... That it, that it takes to win football games, to win many football games. I mean, anything's better than 0-16, you know. They brought in Tyrod Taylor, and I feel like this is Tyrod Taylor's team. Uh, Baker's going to have to prove himself, like I said, going to have to work for it like he has in the past. Uh, but this is Tyrod Taylor's team. 
until Tyrod Taylor himself proves that he cannot do it anymore. Anything, like I said, is better than 0-16. I think they brought in a lot of guys through this offseason that are going to help them out. One of them, including Jarvis Landry, um, their draft pick, and Antonio Callaway. Two good weapons for Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield to have on Sundays for them to win ball games. So I think this is, you know, they made a lot of good offseason moves. Got some good draft picks and Nick Chubb uh, for, you know, some depth in the in the running back position. Uh, but, like, you know, I think the Browns could be good. I'm not saying Super Bowl. I'm not saying playoffs. You know, I'm not saying even win their, you know, their division or come close to winning it. But I think anything's better than 0-16. And I think they're going to prove plenty, plenty people wrong. Another guy I want to talk about, Louisville product, Lamar Jackson, who's actually on TV tonight. Uh, I think he's the future of the Ravens organization. That's no knock to Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. However, Joe's getting old. The game's changing. The game's moving a lot faster, and I think Lamar can keep up. I think in the next couple of years, he will be their guy. Number eight will be their guy, and that's no knock to RG3 either, uh, who's on their roster as well. But RG3 is very, very injury-prone, and I wish it weren't that way, but that's the reality of it. And I think he would have even done better in Washington if he wasn't so injury-prone, but those injuries go back to college when he was at Baylor. Uh, but I think Lamar Jackson is the next best guy for the Ravens. I think he's going to do wonders in this league. I think he's going to take this league by storm. It's almost like a Michael Vick. You know, Michael Vick changed the game. And here's a guy that could pretty much do the same thing. He can run. He can gun. He's got a cannon for an arm. And he's their next guy. He's the next face of the NFL. You heard it here. You know, when talking about the moves that the Browns made in the offseason, I completely forgot that the man, Josh Gordon, is back. I think he will be a huge, huge weapon to go along with Antonio Callaway and Jarvis Landry. And I think it's a huge thing that he's back. I think it's a great thing that he's back. He's got his mind right. He's got his body right. He's gotten help. And, you know, I never want to see a guy fail, whether I know him personally or not. I don't want to see anybody fail, especially when they're living out a dream. And I think Josh Gordon's got it figured out. And I think this is the future of the Browns right here. And to that, Adrian Peterson just signed a one-year veteran minimum deal with the Redskins. Uh... As we all know, Darius Geis went down uh, during the preseason. That's why I'm also skeptical about the preseason, but that's here nor there. Uh, and they brought in AP, who's a veteran guy, veteran guy in the locker room, veteran guy on the field, a professional. He knows what to do. He knows what's going on. And it's a, it's a nice move. It's a nice move by the Redskins to bring in a guy like that. Uh, which brings me to my next topic about fantasy football. I'm in three different leagues, still have two more drafts, but I got one draft done, and it's in the Key West Degenerates League, and my roster is as follows. My quarterbacks are Big Ben and Case Keenum, LeGarrette Blount and Chris Thompson. My wide receivers are AJ Green, Julio Jones, Danny Amendola, Geronimo Allison, and Devontae Parker. My tight ends are Delaney Walker, Eric Ebron, 
Kickers, Matt Bryant, Harrison Butker. And defense is the Jags and the Dirty Birds. Obviously, that's my roster now. Things can change in the future. Who knows? But I like to keep backups. It's just my thing. I know some of you will probably fuss me for it that I have a backup kicker. But whatever. It is what it is right now. This is my team. I'm happy with my team. I think I'm going to do really well. I opened up against Michael Dabbs' team. Uh, big Bills fan, by the way. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited for this league. Like I said, I have two more drafts to go in two other leagues. So we'll see what happens then. And, of course, I'll get into those when I do get those drafts done. Uh, but I'm happy with my team. I'm happy with the league that I'm in. I think it's great. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of smack talk going around. But that's my team. That's Reds Rockets. And, uh, or excuse me, Reds, Reds Lightning Rockets. Reds Rockets is another team that I have. But that is Reds Lightning Rockets, U.S. Degenerates League. It's coming up this Saturday. Games between New Mexico State and Wyoming and Hawaii and Colorado State. I know it's nothing exciting. I don't care. It's football that counts. And we're going to talk about it. But first, as we can see, the AP poll came out today. Number one, Bama. Number two, Clemson. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Wisconsin. Questionable. Number five, Ohio State. Number six, Washington. Number seven, Oklahoma. Number eight, Miami. Number nine, Auburn. Number 10, Penn State. Which kind of doesn't make any sense because Penn State beat Washington in the Fiesta Bowl last year. So I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe because Saquon Barkley is not on their team anymore. Uh, but hey, we'll see. Number 11, Michigan State. Number 12, Notre Dame. Number 13, Stanford. Number 14, Michigan. Number 15, USC. Number 16, TCU. Number 17, West Virginia. Number 18, Mississippi State. Number 19, Florida State. Number 20, Virginia Tech. So that'll be a top 20 matchup come September the 3rd, Labor Day, between Florida State and Virginia Tech. Uh, it'll be the primetime game, 8 o'clock, the only game that's on. Number 19 versus number 20. Uh, number 21, UCF. Number 22, Boise State, always making an appearance. Number 23, Texas. Number 24, Oregon. And number 25, LSU. So with LSU being at number 25, I guess it'll be a huge upset if they beat Miami, who's sitting at number 8. And I actually think that LSU is favored in that game by quite a bit. Uh, that game is out in Jerry's World in that uh, kickoff game sponsored by somebody, Advocare or Jerry's World, who knows. But the same game that we played in a few years ago, or we, as in Florida State, played in a few years ago against Oklahoma State where we took home that W. But I'm actually mistaken. Miami is now favored in that game by three and a half. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I think the top 25 is a good top 25. I think things can be mixed around a little bit. Like I said, with that Penn State-Washington, uh, I think that could have been a little switcheroo. Uh, but I think the top three, that was a given. Bama, Clemson, UGA. Can't argue with that. Uh, with four, Wisconsin. I don't know, man. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's see if they can prove anything like that. I honestly think Auburn's going to be hot this year, sitting at number nine. Um, Oklahoma sitting at seven. I think without Baker Mayfield. 
Um, it's going to be a little tough, but their new quarterback, Kyler Murray, I think it is, um, who was actually drafted, uh, I think, in the top 10 of the MLB draft because he also plays baseball for Oklahoma. Uh, I think he's going to be a good little quarterback, but we'll see. We'll see when they get to the tough part of their schedule, especially in that Red River rivalry against uh, Texas. Uh, Michigan State, Notre Dame, you know, that's okay. Stanford, Michigan, USC, that's fine. Um, you know, but I mean, that rounds it out. That's pretty much what it is. It's what it's going to be for until the first, end of the first week after that game or our game, us Florida state guys against, uh, Virginia tech. So we'll see what happens, but getting into those other two games, uh, New Mexico state versus Wyoming. I know that's huge. I know everybody's been circling that on their calendar. But uh, last year, New Mexico State was 7-6, made their first bowl game in 57 years. They played in the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. They beat Utah State 26-20 in overtime. All these crazy, crazy names for bowls now, all their crazy sponsors and stuff like that. But that's also their first winning record last year since 2002. They went 7-5 back in 2002. They did not make a bowl game. But for the success they had last year, their head coach got a new four-year contract that extends through 2021. So obviously they got something brewing down there in New Mexico State. Uh, Their opponent, Mountain West opponent, and actually New Mexico State was in the Sun Belt last year. Now they're FBS independents, just like uh, Notre Dame and Army and a couple other of those teams. But Wyoming, last year, 8-5, the 2017 famous Idaho Potato Bowl champs uh, in the old blue turf at Boise State. But they beat Central Michigan 37-14. As we all know, Josh Allen, their starting quarterback, who could throw the ball a quarter mile, uh, they lost him to the Bills on the first round of this draft, uh, pick number seven. I think he could be good for them. Uh, his two years at Wyoming, he was had above 500 record his two years starting, and he went one and one in bowl games. Uh, and like I said, Buffalo took him in the first round, and Buffalo made the playoffs last year uh, for the first time since '99. And back then in '99, their starting quarterback was none other than Doug Flutie. And uh, in that 99 year, they lost to the Tennessee Titans in the Music City Miracle, where the Titans on the kickoff, they lateral in it, I don't know, 10, 15 times and took it to the house for the win. So, but with Wyoming, I don't know where they'll be with Josh Allen, without Josh Allen. Uh, but I think Josh Allen will be very productive here in the league. I think since he's got to beat out A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman. However, A.J. McCarron just went down with a shoulder injury. And Nathan Peterman, the second-year guy out of Pittsburgh, um, it's a battle now. I think Josh Allen is, you know, he's tall in stature, obviously has a huge arm, great football mind. But, you know, we'll see what happens with him. My prediction with that one, I think New Mexico State's going to get the upset. I think they're going to be on a high from last year's bowl game. I think their coach is going to be amped up with his new contract. And I think they will take home the W. The other game, the other big Mountain West contest, you got the Hawaii Warriors against the Colorado State Rams. Uh, Hawaii, 
I don't know, man. They haven't really been relevant in a long time. Didn't make a bowl game last year. They were bowl eligible in 2016. They were one of those teams who were 6-7 and seven and still made a bowl game, which I'm still confused on how that happens. Uh, but they hosted Middle Tennessee State in their own place in the Hawaii Bowl and beat them 52-35. to 35. Um, But, you know, Hawaii, you know, they haven't been... They weren't good before, and they were really not good now. I mean, when they were good, when they were relevant, you had the dangerous tandem of Colt Brennan and Devon Bess, who, you know, Colt Brennan had a couple years in the league as a backup quarterback, I think for the Redskins and somebody else. And then Devon Bess had a nice little career in the NFL, played for the Dolphins for a little bit and a couple other teams. And head coach was June Jones back then too. And us college football fans know June Jones is the man. June Jones knows how to teach and coach football. Uh, and that one year in 07, uh, Hawaii went undefeated and went 12-0. and Played Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, coming in there ranked 10th to play the Bulldogs and uh, just got just got trashed 41-10. Uh, to 10. You could just kind of tell they weren't really meant to be there. The only FCS team to really hold their own in a BCS New Year 6 bowl game has been Boise State. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. They've taken home a couple Fiesta Bowls. And as of recently, you got the UCF Knights who have been able to win a Fiesta Bowl and a, and a Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Uh, but, you know, like I said, Hawaii, nothing really special. They made bowl games in 08, 2010, 2016, all hosted in their own place in the Hawaii Bowl down there in Honolulu. And uh, they went 1-2 and two in those games. But their opponent, Colorado State, went 7-6 and six last year, playing the Gildan New Mexico Bowl. And uh, they lost 31-28 to Marshall. They've put a nice little, you know, bowl streak, you know, together since 2013. However, they've been 1-4 in those bowl games. Um, not really any crazy famous football alum, but however, Jim McElwain, who was their coach from 2012 to 2014, just got better every year. Was four and eight in his first year, eight and six in his second year, and ten and three in his last year. And as we all know, he's famously known for being naked on top of a shark on some boating trip, who knows where. But uh, get a nice little laugh out of that. However, predict Colorado State winning that game by ten. So this weekend, I actually uh, was fortunate enough to run into an FSU legend, that being Casey Weldon, FSU quarterback from 88 to 91. Uh, He was a starter in 90 and 91, and he was drafted by the Eagles in 92 in the fourth round. But in that 91 season, uh, he was second place in the Heisman uh, to Desmond Howard, who we all know well for his kick off and punt returns and his dazzling performances on offense uh, and defense, I think, a couple times. Um, but that year in 91, uh, Casey led Florida State to an 11-2 record. Ended the year fourth in the AP poll. That was part of those like 14 years in a row where we ended in the top five as Florida State. Um, but 
We beat uh, Texas A&M 10-2 in the Cotton Bowl. Weird score, awkward score, not really a football score, almost like a baseball blowout. But uh, nonetheless, uh, big bowl win, Cotton Bowl win. Uh, but that year, uh, Casey went 189 for 313, had 2,527 passing yards and 22 touchdowns and 41 overall in his career. Um, that season, Florida State was ranked number one from start to almost finish. We played Miami and Florida in back-to-back weeks to end the year and took the L in both of those. Um, so I think even if we would have won at least one of those games, we might have been vying for a national title. But, you know, we'll take it Cotton Bowl. And it's funny, too, because that year in 91, Charlie Ward was Casey Weldon's backup. And we all know what happened two years later, Charlie Ward won the Heisman and led Florida State uh, to their first national championship over Nebraska down there in the Orange Bowl. But with Casey, you know, not a huge NFL career. Played the one year with the Eagles, played for the Bucks for three years, a couple other teams. But he also played in NFL Europe when that was big and also the one year the XFL was. I'm riding, I'm going, not stopping, not slowing through the rain and the snow. give a big huge shout out to FSU women's soccer 2-0 on the year won their first game 1-0 over Vanderbilt on just this past Thursday and just on Sunday beat Troy 5-0 that's my new team that's the team I'm with the team I'm grinding with and uh, shout out to Robin Arberg best head equipment manager in the game uh, she's holding it down we're holding it down and uh rooting for soccer hopefully we do good kind of hoping hoping to match what the softball team just did a little national title but shout out to the girls got big games coming up these next couple of weeks they go away to wisconsin then they come home and within a week and a half they play usc ucla and florida at home so we'll be we'll be there for that one and we'll be uh at the seminole soccer complex holding it down Cheering them on. Some closing thoughts, some closing notes. Uh, I'm just super, super excited for this uh, this podcast here that we're doing, the Lightning Show. I'm excited for people to listen. I'm excited for people to give me feedback, to give me some argument, you know, about some sporting events, sporting news, what have you. Uh, I'm also really, really excited for football season. I can't wait. I know we probably say it every single year, but around this time, you just start itching for it and getting ready. Uh, And I'm excited to see what Willie does with the Knowles. I'm excited to see what he can do. This is his dream job. This is the place he's always wanted to be. He grew up a Florida State fan. His whole family's a Florida State fan. Um, So this should be fun. From what I'm hearing, guys are buying into what he's saying. He's preaching. They're listening. And I think it's going to be a fun one. But that'll do it for the first episode of The Lightning Show. We'll catch you guys next week.